0: Today's show is sponsored by Oventure Travel Gear, the company that got me after 32 years to finally try a piece of travel gear which I had never used before and which you're going to learn all about in today's show. If you want to find out more about Oventure Travel Gear, head to OventureTravelGear.com. That's Oventure with an O. Venture, travelgear.com. and if you do decide to grab something from them, make sure to head over to AdventureTravelGear.com/slash/epop and grab that discount code. Also, don't forget the Paradise Pack is launching June 1st and only runs until June 7th. So if you're looking for a bundle of products that's designed to help you travel, live, and work anywhere in the world, this is the pack for you. It only runs for those seven days, then it is gone forever. So make sure you head on over to theparadisepack.com and check that out. The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast. Episode 168. New York City's 520 miles of coastline is longer than those of Miami, Boston, Los Angeles, and San Francisco combined. I guess you know where your next beach holiday is. One, two,
1: three. I'll show you Paris in the morning. I'll show you London
0: Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and joining me today is a fellow entrepreneur. Travel lover, EPOP super fan, and the man who finally, after 32 years, convinced me to try out packing cubes, Dave Olverson of OventureTravelGear.com. Dave, thanks so much for joining me today and welcome.
1: Thank you very much. It's great to be here and it's great to hear that intro live.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's really fun to do it with a fan of the EPOP podcast because I'm basically like, hey, you know what this is all about. So it's all about having fun. And I'm super excited about today's interview because we are going to hit on a variety of topics. Dave, like me, likes to dabble in a lot of stuff, travel, entrepreneur, them all together. So we're going to give you tons of practical advice for traveling and packing from someone who obviously knows his stuff, including the best way to use packing cubes, which I'm selfishly want to know about. And also a cool honeymoon travel hack trip that Dave's going to share with us. Also about um, the entrepreneurial successes and failures. Dave is real open in the things that he's tried and and everything that works and didn't work. Why Dave's adamant about giving to charity, including uh, why he's going to give the Pencils of Promise, which is the same charity that we use for the Paradise Packs. I'm really excited about that. And unlike most of the entrepreneurs we bring on, Dave, you're someone who actually makes a physical product. So the only other person we've had on that makes a, a physical product, not a digital, they don't run a website or they don't have a podcast and make money that way, is Fred, the founder of Tortuga Backpacks, another good friend of the show. It's going to be fascinating to hear the obstacles that that you face. And you're also going to give EPOP listeners a discount code. So we want them to hang on till the end then, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I have actually never done sort of a digital product in the way that you guys do with the Paradise Pack and all of that. And I've had some entrepreneurial ventures in the past, but I am um, i was really excited to get into travel products in general. Um, and I sort of launched with Packing Cubes um, because they've sort of changed the way I pack. I'm a really disorganized guy. So yeah, its its it's been very exciting and uh, happy to tell you uh, all your listeners, all they want to know.
0: Awesome. I have my Packing Cube sitting right to the right of me. This is the first trip I've used on. So we'll get into uh, some of the advice for packing cubes because I'm, I'm a newbie there. I want to start out though with a little bit of your background. You know, How did you get into travel? Was there an aha moment when you were kind of bit by the travel bug and just thought, all right, this is something I'm going to build a lifestyle around. I mean, maybe you don't travel all the time. You're not nomadic, but you're like, this is a main priority in my life. So much so that obviously now you run a travel gear company
1: yeah there definitely was an aha moment um and it was you know I think a lot of people had that sort of spring break trip that they went on when they were in college, and I did that too, and I went with my friends um and it was amazing. It was, a, it was an unbelievable trip. We did all the sort of spring breaky things that you you know that people do. um but when I looked back, I actually you know I looked back and I realized that my favorite moment we went down to Jamaica and you know got crazy, all that kind of stuff. But my favorite moment when I looked back was when uh, we met up with this uh, couple who, they were Danish and they were in their 40s, and they had been coming to Jamaica for years and years. They said, listen, just carve out this one day. You got the whole week here. Carve out this one day. We're going to show you some stuff. So we rented some mopeds, went into, you know, the the non-touristy parts of Jamaica, you know, ate goat, ate, you know, stuff that, you know, now, you know, I've done some other things. I've eaten some other things. But for me at that time, eating goat was like, it was kind of a, an eye opener.
0: Right. You're the one spring breaker eating goat.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. So we went on this trip and and I, I just, you know, I fell in love with that kind of travel. And I thought, you know, you know, going to Jamaica and doing the whole thing was great with my buddies, but but that's the kind of travel that I want to do. And so that's that's sort of the origin story of, of how I got bit by the travel bug in that, in that way.
0: What then, cause you were, you're in spring break for college. So I assume you're early twenties. What then has travel looked like for you since then?
1: Yeah. Since then, um, it's been, you know, I think it's been a combination. One of my favorite trips that I've been on was actually a place that I don't think you've been to yet, which was uh, Machu Picchu. I have not, um,
0: but that is obviously top of the list. Yeah.
1: And it was, I, I think I bit off a little bit more than I could chew on that trip, actually, because we did a, a seven day hike. It's usually a sort of a four day hike into Machu Picchu. And we did a seven day hike and went up to um, one of the tallest peaks, Salcante, um, which is up there. And it was, you know, we were hiking at 17,000 feet. And, i you know, I'm not that in good of shape so I you know it was a little bit tricky and uh you know I think our guide was a little bit you know sort of looked down on us a little bit as we were going through there but we made it and it was unbelievable and it made sort of cresting and seeing seeing Machu Picchu that much sweeter having gone through that crazy crazy trek so it's been a little bit of that kind of thing and the other thing that I that I really like um I've sort of now that I live here in, in New York City, um, I've sort of tried to travel within my own city as much as possible. You know, there are places you can go in New York City that you can get really incredible bur- burritos. And it's kind of like traveling. I, I went to a place and they they didn't speak English. And so, you know, you, get, you go in there and you're having to use the hand gestures and you get a, a little experience like that. And there are just so many places in New York that you can go in and have incredible experiences. And meanwhile, a lot of people who live here don't. They they just never they never explore those places. So I try to do a little bit of both, the you know, the the actual traveling far afield. And then trying to take advantage of what I have around me as much as possible.
0: Yeah, and especially in a place like New York City. I mean, it, you can do it anywhere, but if you are in a city or close to something like that, I mean, we live in Philadelphia. And for the longest time, we didn't even really know much about downtown Philadelphia. You know, we, we knew where like a few of our favorite bars were and stuff like that because we lived in the suburbs. And it wasn't until we kind of made a conscious effort. And that happened after we had traveled a lot internationally. We had come, we came home from Japan and living in Japan for two years. And we were so happy about being home in philadelphia because you could still explore and there was so much we hadn't seen but it was it was a little easier obviously because we knew the language and things like that i think you make a great point about just going out and seeking that out and it really is it's pretty easy in the city and if you're not going to do it on your own which both of us urge you to do it's really great when friends come right because then you get to be kind of a tour guide but also kind of a tourist
1: Absolutely. And yeah, it's it's one of those great things where you can go out and explore something someplace on your own and figure it out and then bring your friends along. And, you know, it's not as as difficult to convince them to come on a, a crazy journey across the world. You can just say, hey, look, this is this crazy place is 30 minutes away by subway. Come check it out with me.
0: One of the things that I have yet to do, but I've always wanted to do is get a guidebook like either on New York City or on Philadelphia in a city that's close to where I live and actually read through the guidebook, see what it says, and kind of like take a take a walking tour, take a free walking tour of the cities. I don't know if you've done any of that, but I always thought that'd be neat because you know a little bit about it, but there's probably so many little gems in there that we don't have any idea about.
1: Yeah, I, no, I have definitely, I take free walking tours in New York a bunch, and it's it's one of those things where, you know, I'm with a bunch of tourists. I'm with a bunch of people from, you know, the far reaches of the earth, and I'm here at home just doing a free walking tour. You're, you're a man after my own heart in terms of frugality as well. Um, and I actually started a blog that combines that, the, you know, the New Yorkness and, um, and, and frugality and, uh, called thenewyorkbudget.com. And, and uh, so I'm, I'm exploring, you know, cheap eats around the city. And, and I think one of the things that's kept me motivated, and, I, and, and I, I, I imagine you can relate, is, you know, doing something like that, a blog, or in your case, the podcast, I, at least for me, it motivates me to do more. Which has been amazing. It's sort of, you know, it's a way to, to keep me accountable to always uh, you know, explore more and, and do more things, which has been great.
0: Yeah, and it always tastes better when it's cheap, right? Like it might Egg, not oh, be the best, oh, but it yeah. definitely tastes like the best when it's so cheap.
1: It absolutely, it absolutely does. And yeah. if you got bragging rights on it, it's great.
0: It is. And finding those one of the things we love to do at Epop is like finding those hidden gems. I don't do enough of it when I am in my own area because everyone has their own little, Oh, I like this place. I've gone here forever, but it is cool to step outside of your comfort zone. We had a guy on named Alistair Humphreys who, who coined the term micro adventures. And he said, you know, if you have a nine to five, then make your adventure five to nine. And he, he'd like take off after work. I think he lived in London or still does. And he would just go and like sleep on a hill somewhere outside of London for the night and come into work the next day. And he had this like, Way different experience than everyone who wasn't camping the night before, and it was super easy. I think that's such a cool term, that idea of micro-adventures.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I, I listened to that, and I was sort of inspired. I actually—the um, great thing about my my day job that I have uh, is that I get summer Fridays, which a lot of people here in New York get. I don't know if it's that prevalent elsewhere in the country, but every Friday I get off at noon. And so I've made a commitment to myself You know, this summer is to is to explore, do those little micro-adventures, uh, every, every summer, Friday, this summer.
0: Awesome. Anything really cool that you have like in your head of, I'm going to do that this summer.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, a lot of, uh, micro breweries have popped up in New York city. So there's definitely going to be a Bronx day where I hit up a couple, a Queens day where I hit, a, I hit up a couple and a Brooklyn day where I hit up a couple and there's even one in Staten Island that I'm going to hit up. But you know, other than that, I think, uh, they're, there's so much in New York I mean, you don't think of beaches when you think of New York City, but Rockaway Beach is one of my favorite beaches of all time because it has an incredible taco place called Rockaway Taco. But it's, you know, it's it's a place where you can get off and, and, and go and hit up the beach. There's places like Governor's Island that I'm going to go to where on uh, weekday mornings um, you, you can go and get a uh, free bike rental and just ride around the island. Um, and the island also has... The thing that I'm looking forward to a lot, which, you know, is new since I've been there last, which is called Hammock Grove. It's Just this, you know, as far as the eye can see, a bunch of hammocks where you can sit out and relax. And I cannot wait to see that. Is there
0: anything that you use specific to New York? Because I'm wondering, cause I don't know if this exists in Philly, and I'm sure it does to kind of find out about free activities, things that are going on? I mean, I know there are newspapers and things like that. Is there any specific resource you use for New York where it's like, here's a list of all the free stuff or here's a list of all the cool stuff going on?
1: Yeah, you know, there there are. Um, but I try to dig a little deeper because it's unfortunate that in New York, those newspapers and there's email lists um, for free things and, you know, cool activities and free concerts. And those just get packed. And, it's you know, it it takes away a little bit from it for me. I, you know, big crowds are fun every once in a while, but, you know, I, I do like to do my own thing. And so I sit on Google <laughs> and just search for whatever I guess, you know, go to Google Maps plus searching on Google for, you know, parks in New York and what's special about them and that kind of thing. Um, we have an incredible New York City Parks Department that has all kinds of, of great places to go. So, um, yeah, that's, that's generally the resource I use.
0: It's incredible. I didn't think we'd spend like the first seven minutes of this interview talking about <laughs> microadventures, but it is such a cool idea because so many people, you know, I get the excuse all the time of "Hey, travel! I don't have enough money to travel." That's warranted. You know, we we talk a lot about how to save money when you're traveling. You just gave us some great advice too. Or I don't have enough time, and the time thing is a little harder because it's always like. Okay, well, find a way to work remotely, or you know, create your own business. It's it's a much harder step to take than saving money on travel. But if you look at it from a different perspective, like you did, and say, "Hey, I'm stuck here in New York—not stuck, but I'm in New York for this amount of time. I live here. I'm going to find a way to bring travel to me and go out and do it." I mean, the possibilities really are endless, and it doesn't even have to be in big cities. There's stuff going all over all over the place. You know?
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: All right. So you're a big packing fanatic, just like me. (laughs) Uh, We've done quite a few shows on packing, two with Fred from Tortuga, you know, other ones where we gave pre travel checklists, all types of stuff. But we've never done one on packing cubes because before this last trip, about a month ago, I had never even given packing cubes a try. And a lot of people had said to me, okay, you know, you should use packing cubes. You use packing cubes, all this stuff. I got it all the time. And I just said no. And the answer was just really because I, I didn't. you know, it was more apathy than anything. It wasn't, I had no bias against them or anything like that. Tell us a little bit about packing cubes because you are the packing cube expert now and what's like, why they're beneficial. What's so great about them, why people use them. And for the most part, I've heard that people who use them. I almost always hear glowing reviews. Like people are saying you should use them because they're so awesome.
1: Yeah. Um, and I completely get where you're coming from originally. I was one of those people who didn't really understand packing cubes. I, I knew that I was disorganized in my packing, but I-, I didn't really think that packing cubes could help that. But it is completely, and I think you know, the, mo- the more people I talk to, the more I think this is a general consensus that it's one of those things that when you try it, then something clicks and you get it. You get why it's so useful. I think one of the great things about packing cubes are the different styles you can use them. For. Um, it, it's sort of whichever way you're comfortable packing, they can be tailored to that situation. So a few of the ways that I've used in the past is, um, you know, and and the, the set that I've created, Oventure, the Oventure Packing Cubes, they have a large, a medium, and a small. And the really cool thing is that the, once packed, they fit really, you know, snugly and perfectly into a regular carry-on. Some of the ways that I've figured out to, to use them include, the first one is, is using, um, putting different categories of clothing in different packing cubes. So this is kind of the obvious one, but it's also the one that I like the most, where, you know, you got your little guy and you put underwear and socks in that one. Uh, you've got your medium one and maybe you put a bunch of t-shirts in that one and then, you know, your your pants and, and maybe a jacket in the big one. And it is amazing how many t-shirts you can fit into these things using a carry-on I'm I, I think oh yeah I can probably pack mm, you know five or six shirts and maybe a couple of pairs of pants and a jacket and my shoes and and, and my toiletries and then I'm good but uh recently I did a test and I, I packed about 20 t-shirts in the largest packing cube and I had a couple of pants in the medium ones and then I had my my socks and underwear in there it was you know I think a combination of using the packing cubes in that way and doing the uh, the rolling technique. Which I was going to ask: Do
0: you do you traditionally yeah. roll, or do you fold them and put them flat? Oh. Because I've always been a roller, and I think it's the better way to do it, right?
1: Oh, I, yeah, I get it's absolutely the better way. I'm a convert, actually. I used to to fold just because that's the way they were in my drawers, so that's the way I put them in my suitcase. But when I started rolling them, I it it made all the difference in the world. You can fit so much more in there. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's really amazing, but you know, if you don't want to do it that way, you can also do, you know, one of the things that I've done in the past when I've gone on business trips, uh, for my, for my day job is I've packed different outfits. So, you know, I go to, um, Las Vegas for, for conferences every once in a while. And I absolutely want to get out poolside and enjoy the pool and and do all that. But I also have to have my work clothes, so separating those out is is pretty easy. You take them out, uh, you take the packing cubes out, and then you have like a little drawer system once you get to the hotel. So I'm I was definitely one of those people that um, when I got to the hotel, I didn't put anything in drawers. I just you know grabbed stuff out of the suitcase, and by the end of my trip, it looked a wreck. It right, was you don't just, know what's
0: clean, what's dirty. It's just, exactly you, you can't tell like what your underwear is, or is that a pair of shorts you have to like hold it up? Oh no, that's underwear.
1: Yeah. You do the smell test a whole <laughs> bunch. I, I can't imagine how many, I can't, you know, recount how many times I've done the smell test and been like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, so, but, but even if you're someone that spends the time and takes, you know, your clothes out and puts them in drawers, this is going to save you a lot of time. You know, all you have to do is pull each one out, put it in and you know, where, uh, where you're, your work outfit is and you know where your your fun outfit is so that's that's another method to use the one that i haven't used because i don't have a, a big family yet that i've been interested in is doing it by family member if you're going on a short trip and i think i mean the way the way these things pack up i think you can get away with you know four days to a week um and have you know be able to pack everybody into one suitcase if you have like your kid and your wife and you and you pack everything up, um, you know, maybe you have the biggest one, your wife has the, the medium one, and the little kid has the smallest one. But that's, a, that's another, you know, interesting way to do it. But I'll tell you what, the, the thing that I like most about packing cubes is, and you touched on this a little bit, is on the return trip, is being able to separate your gross, dirty clothes from your clean ones. And not because, man, I tell you what, when I used to get home from these trips, everything would be dirty. It would be, you know, everything would have been mingled with everything else. And I couldn't, you know, like you said, I couldn't tell one from the other. And by that time they had gotten each other dirty. So I just had to wash everything. And this way it's, you know, you pull out your clean clothes, you put them in your drawers, you pull out your dirty clothes, and it's like you have a little hamper. You're done. You put it in the laundry and it's done. It's getting home. And, you know, the last thing I want to do when I get home is, is any sort of, you know, Figuring out which, right what, what's or, what goes where we're like dumping um, it
0: all in the laundry yeah. machine because then it's like probably a load and a half and you're like oh I have to do two loads now and I know some of it's not dirty so I don't want to throw it in but yeah I, I completely agree and for me the biggest benefit that I have seen with the packing cubes is when I get to the place you know it's great to pack in them and it, and it helps keep everything organized obviously in your bag when you're packing up it also is cool because you can kind of see how much you have. Like, I remember opening my one and being like, oh, I have, you know, you just count the shirts because they're rolled up. Like, boom, 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 boom. Oh, I have six shirts. Okay, really cool. I don't need any more, whatever it is. But when you get to the place, for me, I was like you. I would just grab stuff out of the bag I wouldn't put it in the uh, dresser drawers or hang it up. Heather would always be nice and neat with everything of hers in the drawer. I was too afraid I'd like just forget all my clothes and leave them in the drawer. You know, be that absent-minded. But it's cool because then I still don't really put stuff in the drawers, but I just will pull out the packing cube, and I will sit it there, and it's like, it's like a drawer on the floor or on the little thing that they give you to put your stuff on. And it's just – then I don't even have to put it in the drawer if I don't want, but it's its own thing. It's like, okay, here are my shirts, here's my underwear, here's my pants – It's really made a difference because stuff actually stays organized. Imagine. that. Yeah.
1: And I think one of the the overlooked benefits of it is that for the most part, all your stuff is on one level. So where I used to get into trouble is trying to dig deep into my bag and mess everything on top up. And that, you know, you're trying to get one thing and then everything is ruined. So, yeah, it's it it definitely keeps you more organized, even than you'd expect just by, you know, at, at first glance of thinking about packing cubes.
0: Yeah. So I have tried them. I like them for sure. It is I am much more organized with them. There's still times though where I'm like, I don't want to take the time to put that in the shirt packing cube. I'm going to put it in the other <laughs> one. And then I have to rip through. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> Just take <the laughs> three seconds to put it in the one it belongs in. Packing cubes, really cool. And I do think as well, we hit on the fact that you, know, you travel with a carry-on predominantly, as do I. It is especially... Helpful because it keeps everything organized. You know, if you're if you're traveling with a carry on, you're probably going to have it pretty full, no matter how light you pack. And I do think that that's really nice because yeah, you're not digging all the way to the back then to find that one shirt. You just take it out and you can see it right there.
1: Yeah, and I will I will give one more little tip. Um, I've found that when I go on planes, especially you know, in on carry ons with carry ons, um, is that even my clean clothes sometimes get a little bit. You know, they, they smell a little bit like jet fuel, right? They smell a little bit like airport and you, you get it out and you're like, oh, this isn't great. If you just slip a um, one of those fabric softener or dryer sheets on the top of your clothes in the packing cube, I find that does wonders. So it's another little little tip if you want to be smelling extra fresh.
0: That is that's actually a really awesome tip. There we go. I never would have ever thought of that. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey, too, because um, you know, you're know you new with Oventure Travel, you're making these packing cubes, and you've had a little bit of uh, entrepreneurial background and things like that. So I want to start with how you started down the entrepreneurial track, because a lot of people out there that listen to this podcast are people who like travel, but also are looking for that lifestyle, right? I want to start a business because I want to travel more. I want to live in Thailand or whatever. And I was in that same boat five years ago. Like I knew that I didn't want to work for someone else, but I had no idea what that meant. I mean, for me, it was always a traditional job teaching high school. It was completely location-dependent. And the people listening, you know, they want to do something that they love. They want to work for themselves. They want to have that freedom, but they have no idea where to start. So how did you start in your entrepreneurial journey? What got you to take that kind of leap and how did you do it?
1: So the first time I started an entrepreneurial venture was back in college again, and I'm uh, I'm 31 now. So it was years and years ago, but um, I started a company called Fluid Tunes, and it was ill fated from the beginning. It was, you know, it was not the business model was not great. It was a fun thing. It was, um, you know, people would write in to our website, fill out a survey about someone that they liked, and we create a custom song for them. Um, And it was this silly, funny thing. And it was really, really great. And people really liked it. But the amount of time and energy it took on each song just didn't make it worth it for whatever people were willing to pay. (laughs) I can
0: only imagine you spending five hours like making a song (laughs) recording it doing all that and then here's your five dollar fee right
1: exactly exactly so uh it was a little it was it was ill-fated but it was a great experience but and now it's 10 years later and and i'm starting this thing again and i think you know i i sort of look back and i think you know this was totally a mindset thing i failed and i think that you know in my mind that that meant that i wasn't meant to be an entrepreneur um i even said this to my buddy you know at one point, a couple of years ago, I was like, "Well, you know, we because we had always talked about you know being an entrepreneur and and running our own business." And I said, "Well, you know, if we haven't done it yet, does that mean that you know it, it's not going to happen? Is it, you know it, was it not meant to be?" I think now that I've sort of gone through that and have have you know dusted myself back off and and tried again, I sort of realized that you know the the real failure was not doing anything for those 10 years, you know, I, it's, it would have been much better to fail five more times, and then get it right, you know, when I was 26. As I get older, and maybe slightly wiser, I, I know, I, I still have a ways to go in that regard. But, um, you know, I, I, I sort of have that mindset shift. And I think it's, I think it's an important one. I think it's, uh, you know, it's important to, to understand that failing isn't the end of the world. It's it, in fact, in fact, it's an important piece of the process to get to success.
0: And it's a cool point that you made because I think I felt the same way when I started. Like, oh, you're you're 28 or whatever it was. You're living in Japan. You know, if you were meant to have done an entrepreneurial thing, because I always had these ideas floating in my head and never acted on, like would do a little bit, but never... Never actually tried to do anything. And so it was always like, well, you would have done it. Like you're reading stories of the 21 year old guy who has a multi million dollar company. You're like, well, if you were meant to be him, you would have done it at 21 because he started at 16. Now he's 21, he has it. I'm 28. And you know, you felt old. And, and it's funny because it's only relative, right? Like to some people, they're going to look back at me like, oh, that's really cool. You started at 28. I'm 45. I wish I had started 28 but you, you naturally think that if it was meant to be like you, the great word term that you used, that you would have already done it, or it would have already happened. And then you look at you like, well, why would it have happened? I didn't really do anything to make it happen. Okay.
1: <laughs> exactly. It's up, it's up to you to actually do it. It's not, you know, it, it's not one of these things that happens to you It's something that, that you do.
0: And so then for you, what was the decision? Because you said it was a 10 year gap and you, you were having these doubts and you thought oh, other people are doing, it. it's not really for me. What was the like the pushing point, like what was the breaking point to say, I am going to do it again. And then building on that, we'll get into like why you actually started to start the company that you did. But where was that decision? Like, how did it happen? Did someone push you? Did you just have an epiphany moment?
1: Yeah, you know, it wasn't a singular moment. But I will say that it all got started when I started doing things. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, I you know, the first thing that I did in terms of doing my own projects was uh, you know, the second time around was um, this blog that I started and I don't exactly know why I started this blog. I sort of, you know, something, something triggered me. I was on an an online forum uh, and someone said something saying uh, you know, someone was asking how much money do you need to make in order to, to really live in New York city without slumming it. And, uh, somebody responded, well, you really need to make $80,000 a year in order to not live on ramen noodles. And I, I've never made $80,000 a year. So and, and I feel like I live very comfortably in a great life in New York City. So that sort of triggered that and I started blogging and doing and that opened me up to, you know, the whole personal finance blogging community, and meeting people that were doing things. So I, I think it sort of comes down to, doing leads to more doing. And so if you if you take action, even if it's small action and meet people that are taking action, uh, it sort of snowballs and you sort of get these ideas and start believing that you can uh, do more and more. So I think that's that's sort of how I started down this path to getting back to entrepreneurship.
0: And when you started the site, were you ever envisioning making money off it and and probably you were envisioning some sort of money making, but were you ever saying, I'm gonna start this site and it's gonna be a full time thing or was it, you know, you started because you wanted to prove someone who said it was eighty thousand dollars <laughs> wrong. Yeah.
1: No, it it was definitely, I I did not think of it as, I mean, obviously everyone sort of has these fantasies and dreams sure. about what, it, what things can be, but realistically I didn't, you know, I, I, you know, this is just a blog I was starting. um And I, you know, I wanted to make a little bit of money off of it here and there, but it was definitely a, a hobby for me. And I think that's part of the mindset, mindset shift that I had as I, you know, went further and further down this rabbit hole, you know. Well, yeah, and I I can do these things. I can do more. These look at these other people that I've uh, become friends with. They, they're they doing uh, these projects. And, you know, the more I was around that and surrounded by it, the more I, I believe that I could be a part of it, too.
0: It's amazing how, you know, you hear the old adage, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. There's like cliche after cliche after cliche, surround yourself with the people you want to be like, all that stuff but it it's like well this is 100% true because you see people doing stuff you see people using their spare time or extra time effectively or they're just doing like neat cool stuff and you Instead of saying, like, I don't know how I'd ever do it, you kind of look at them. What's always happened with me is I've looked at them. I've become friends with them. Like, maybe I put them on a pedestal, right? And I'm like, man, well, they're doing it because X, Y, and Z. Uh, they started before me. They're better looking. They have more money. Who the heck knows what excuse you use? But there's always an excuse. Then you meet them. You hang out with them. You become friends or even just, like, internet friends, right? Or email friends. Who knows? And all of a sudden, you're like, well, they, they are really cool, but they're not any better than me. I mean, it, it kind of pulls that veil back of... Of of them doing it, and you see them doing stuff, and you're like, well, actually, they're when when they're doing it, it doesn't look that great on the back end. Like they they make it work on the front end, so you just realize that no one really knows everything that's going on. I think that always motivates me to be like, all right, well, I'm going to try it because they didn't know what they were doing when they started, and they succeeded. Why why wouldn't I just go that route as well?
1: Right, absolutely, yeah. And and I mean, the other thing that that you get out of it is that you learn so much along the way you know, that you get better. And so even if I, you know, even if Oventure <laughs> went down in a ball of flames, um, I think I've gotten a lot out of it already just by, you know, learning more about myself and learning, you know, the nuts and bolts of starting a business. How great is that? It's a great experience to to have had.
0: Heather reminds me constantly because I get all fidgety all the time. Like, well, what if this doesn't work and EPop, you know, which we're doing full time now, yeah, goes down in a ball of flames for whatever reason? All of you don't want to listen or read or anything anymore. And how I just like it's like I'm such a uh, apocalyptic nature. I'm like this would be awful. And she's like, listen, you started, you knew nothing, you had no skills, you didn't know anyone in the industry, all this stuff. Now, if it went down and you had to start something over, you're like five hundred times ahead of where you were before, and you made this work. And I always think. Yeah, you're right. Like it, it there's so much value in actually learning the process and learning how much you can do.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, the what you gain from, you know, from learning and all that is is much more valuable than the beginning the first dollar that you make, I think.
0: For sure. And what I think is really cool with what you're doing is obviously you're writing about New York budget and you know, a little bit of travel based, but then you went out and you create a travel gear company and and similar for extra pack of peanuts, I'm writing about frequent flyer miles. And now it's kind of taken on a life of its own of videos and this paradise pack that we're launching, which I I would have never imagined in a million years, I'd launch this bundle sale. So you don't know which kind of avenues are going to open up. How did you decide to start a travel gear company? Because to me, from the outside, it seems like a pretty crowded space, but that could be also completely wrong.
1: I... I'm not sure if I have a great answer for that, to be perfectly honest, but I, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, like I said, back, even back in Jamaica, when I was going off, I, you know, I got the travel bug and I think for me, it's important to start a company that you're really interested in, you know, that you're not going to get burned out at. Um, Because, you know, for me, Oventure is hopefully going to be this thing if it, you know, as it grows, as it, as it uh, morphs and changes, I have ideas for it in terms of creating new and different products. Um, you know, I'm building, I'm building a brand right now around packing cubes and there are other packing cube companies out there that do similar things. But, uh, you know, for instance, with, with your buddies over at uh, Tortuga, um, I, I think they've really done a great job at innovating and doing interesting things. And I have ideas for that as well. There are, there are issues co- that come up when, when I travel, and, uh, and, and I want to sort of fix those issues. And so that's sort of what prompted me to start the, the, uh, a company in the travel industry. And, you know, the, you're, you're, you're right. There are a lot of other comp- companies out there. There's, there is a lot of competition. So who knows how it'll go? But, you know, I think that I'm, what I'm trying to do is create products right now, good quality products that, you know, that are tried and true, and sort of win on you know quality and customer service and making sure the people that are my customers really have a good experience with my brand and then from there innovating and so hopefully it works out <laughs> you know i don't i don't know if it will um it's it is a crowded space but uh you know i'm diving in
0: i think that's important like a grassroots type approach to it where and and you mentioned tortuga and they do do a great job you know uh, who would have thought there needs to be another travel backpack on the market? And maybe, you know, and they obviously make it different from some of the other ones, and everyone has their own designs and things like that, and their own kind of um, shtick or whatever you want to call it. But what I have seen them do really well, and what I think you're doing really well, is that it is, you're not focusing on let's get these bags or these packing cubes out to millions of people. You're like, we're going to make sure the people who get these buy into our mission. And we're going to talk about your mission a little bit too, um, and, and how you differentiate yourself there. But like, kind of buy into our mission, get a really good product, and kind of become like like a family. And it sounds a little hokey, but that's what we've done with Epop. It's like, I don't need to be the biggest travel website in the world. I don't need to compete with TripAdvisor. What I want people to do is come and say, hey, I really like Travis for this reason, because of his personality, or however he writes, or whatever it is. And that's that's more important to me than getting millions and millions of people it's like the ones that come well, let's make sure that they love it
1: absolutely absolutely and that's yeah that's a big part of it uh, you know i don't think i would want to start a business that you know didn't interact well with the customers and with the people uh that were involved with the whole operation i i mean it's just not a good way to live your life
0: Once we get to talking, you know there is no stopping us. So this interview with Dave Olverson has been cut into two parts. And this concludes part one of my episode with Dave. If you liked this part, you're definitely going to want to check out part two of my interview with Dave, where he talks about the obstacles to actually getting a physical product made. He gives us a great honeymoon travel hack. He tells us where to find the best beignets in New Orleans. And according to him, no, it's not Café du Monde. And he also tells a great story of how he was able to weasel his way through U.S. customs without any photo identification. So you're going to want to check out part two. You can do that on iTunes. You can do that on Stitcher. And of course, you can get part two at extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods. Also, don't forget the Paradise Pack is one of the biggest things that we do every year here at Extra Pack of Peanuts. So if you're someone who wants to travel, live, and work anywhere in the world, the Paradise Pack will be available from June 1st through June 7th only. We've got some amazing people involved this year, over $2,000 worth of incredible products that will help you learn how to get plane tickets for almost free, how to score awesome accommodations around the world, how to build an online business so that you can be an entrepreneur just like Dave and I, and even how to learn a language and be having a conversation in just one week. So if you're listening before June 1st, and you want more info on the Paradise Pack, just send a text message with the word Paradise Pack, all one word, so Paradise Pack, all one word, to the number 33444, and you'll automatically get more information about the Paradise Pack. Of course, if you're listening and it's between June 1st and June 7th, hurry up and head on over to theparadisepack.com. Make sure to pick up your copy. The first 1,000 people get an extra special gift as a bonus. So make sure you head on over to The Paradise Pack and get that. I want to give a big shout out to our sponsors at oventuretravelgear.com. That is Dave, the founder of oventuretravelgear.com that you've been listening to on this podcast. So thank you for being sponsors, guys. And if you're interested in picking up their packing cubes, make sure to head to oventuretravelgear.com slash epop. Grab that discount code. Thank you, everyone, for the support. Thank you for making us the number one rated travel podcast on iTunes. And until next time... Happy free travels.